From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Practical Torah means applying the Torah's ancient teachings to our daily lives. This is its ultimate practicality. The Torah has guided the Jewish people for thousands of years. In fact, it is hard to imagine a Jewish people surviving without it. Certainly, the Jews who have cast it aside have few, if any, Jewish descendants. This publication is a collection of comments, explanations, or stories for each of the weekly Torah readings. The common thread running through them is that the Torah is speaking not only of the historical perspective, indeed it is also a history book, but, even more importantly, it is also speaking about each of us today. This timelessness is its true value. It is my prayer that this book will encourage you to apply the practical teachings of the Torah and live the spiritual life that is your true inheritance. When you find it, you will find your path joyful and your life satisfying. Indeed, you will become rich with the most precious things that life has to offer. The Book of Deuteronomy, Sefer Devarim Deuteronomy 1 Devarim. He's talking to you. This week, we begin the fifth and final book of the Torah. This book is unique in that Moshe, rather than God, is speaking. In this portion, Moshe reviews what had happened to the children of Israel since leaving Egypt and begins to prepare them for his imminent departure. This comes right before the word to establish the land of Israel as the homeland of the Jewish people, thereby fulfilling the promise given to our forefather, Avraham, so many years before. Moshe is preparing and strengthening them for their new life in the Holy Land. The actual time of the narrative was at the end of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the entire adult population of the generation that rebelled at the time of the spies had died in the wilderness, and at last, these remaining Jews were about to cross the Jordan River. The people were assembled, and Moshe told them such things as, Hashem, our God, spoke to us in Horev. I said to you at that time, I cannot carry you alone. You answered me and said, The thing you have proposed to do is good. We journeyed from Horev, and we went through the entire great and awesome wilderness. Then I said to you, do not be broken and do not fear them. All of you approached me and said, let us send men ahead of us. But you did not wish to ascend, and you rebelled against the word of God. You slandered in your tents. Hashem heard your words, and he was angry. Then you spoke up and said, I spoke to you, but you did not listen. On and on, Moshe reminded them what they had done and what had happened to them over those 40 years of wandering. Obviously, he was chastising them, but really, he was doing this to strengthen them. But wait a minute, who was he talking to? Moshe's words were being said to the Jews who were standing there just a few days before they were to cross the Jordan. 
as God had promised, the entire generation that had complained about going into the land some 40 years before had died in the wilderness. Only Caleb and Yeshua were adults when these things that Moshe was reminding them had about had happened. The other people standing there that day had either been small children when these things happened or had not even been born yet. So how could Moshe be chastising, reprimanding, and quoting them? Either they had not yet reached the age of real obligation, or they were not alive when those things occurred. Also, our sages point out that every one of them standing there that day was a fully righteous person. Here we are being shown a lesson that we must learn over and over again until we make it part of our lives. The children of Israel, the Jewish people, each and every one of us, whether young or old, alive or gone for many years, or even those who will be born many years in the future, are one. We are responsible for each other's actions, even if we were not even there. We are treated as a unit both by God and by the world. Moshe was talking to the entire nation that day, not just to the few of us who were standing there before him. The events recorded in the Torah can be studied either as historical events that happened to the Jews who were there, or they can be studied as metaphorical events that are somehow going on inside each of us every day. Obviously, the metaphorical lessons belong to each of us, but so do the national events. The historical events that happened to the Jewish people are ours because we share the same history, and the future events that will come to the Jewish people are ours because we share the same destiny. So what do we do with this information? We love and respect each other, and we try to help each other. After all, when we help each other, we are really helping all of us. Jews Today In this week's portion of the Torah, Moshe tells us again that Hashem promised to give us the land of Israel. Hashem said that it was this land that he had sworn to give to our forefathers and their children after them. This was thousands of years ago. Who could really expect the people to maintain their family that long? After all, using today as an example, in America, the third generation of non-observant Jews are intermarrying at the astonishing rate of 95%. Since the assimilated Jew feels absolutely no spiritual or social restrictions as to whom he marries, the intermarriage rate simply becomes a matter of what percentage of the population is Jewish. Also, it is very common today to find people who consider themselves Jewish despite that their mother is not Jewish, but their father is. In fact, so many non-Jews have immigrated to Israel that one year, recently, the majority of men drafted into the Israeli army were not Jewish. They have come from Russia under the civil law of return, which allows them full immigrant rights if they have a close relative who is a Jew. So with this rampant intermarriage and mixed-up lineage, how could it possibly be that the Jewish people have survived? How is it that there are any known Jews today to inherit the land that God had promised to us thousands of years ago? A New Jew 
A while back, someone brought a tall guy over to the tefillin booth and asked me to put the tefillin on him. He really didn't look Jewish, so I asked him if he was a Jew. He said that he was. I asked if his mother was Jewish. He said yes. I said, okay, let's take your Jewish blood pressure. I started to lead him in the blessing, and he knew the first few words himself. He read the prayers in English, and I showed him how to close his eyes and pray for his loved ones. He did a very good job. We spoke for a while before I took the filling off. He told me that he was living in Spain with his wife and kids and was working for the United States Army in anti-terrorism. With the way he looked, his position in the Army, and his residence in Spain, I knew for sure the poor guy had married a non-Jewish woman and had non-Jewish kids. I didn't want to say anything as I was afraid I would ruin what had been a very positive experience for him. Then he dropped the bombshell. He said to me, I am a new Jew. Uh-oh, I thought. I just blew it. I put tefillin on a goy, a non-Jew. The only person who ever say such a thing would have to be a convert. But if he was a kosher convert, he would have been putting on tefillin by himself. Or at least he certainly would have known the blessing. Then he dropped another bombshell. I was adopted, he said. Oh, no, I thought. That's even worse. If there could be such a thing, he wasn't even a non-kosher convert. He was just someone recently adopted by a Jewish family. He went on. I recently found out that I was adopted when I was a baby. And just now I found out who my real parents are. And my real mother is a Jew. Wow, that's great, I said. But in my head I was thinking whether or not I should tell him that as a Jew he cannot be married to a non-Jew. That's all the guy needs to hear, that he has to divorce his wife and kids. I didn't know how to say it to him gently enough that he wouldn't get angry. I tried. You know, now that you know you're a Jew, you have to have a Jewish wife and make a Jewish family. You don't understand, he went on. Somehow God made me marry a Jewish woman, so my family is already Jewish. Wow, was I relieved. The guy really was Jewish, and he had a Jewish family. He was beaming. He asked, how was my Jewish blood pressure? I hit him on the shoulder and said, great, welcome home, brother. When God wants to work it out, he works it out. We do not have to worry whether there'll be a Jewish people in the world to inherit the land. We will be here one way or the other. But isn't it true that in order to learn the Torah and do the mitzvahs properly, you have to be quite learned? So many of the Jews in the world today, in fact the vast majority, are completely ignorant of God's words. So how can this Torah-ignorant people inherit the Holy Land that God promised to our forefathers, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? A while back, an older Russian man walked into the Kotel area. I convinced him to put on tefillin, even though he did not know what I was talking about. He knew nothing about them at all. I doubt that he ever had seen tefillin before. Getting him to repeat the blessing, with me leading him word for word, was like pulling teeth. He could not pronounce a single word, anywhere near the way it was supposed to be pronounced. I told him to say Baruch. He said Karak. No, I said Baruch. He repeated Tokak. I saw that he couldn't say the blessing right, and he was getting really frustrated, so I quickly put the tefillin on him without the proper blessing. I handed him the prayers that he was supposed to say. He looked at them, and even though they were written in Russian, he just wanted to get out of there quick. Then, as if in a last breath chance, he asked, Look, is it okay if I just sing Hava Nagila? 
Sure, I said. He stood there in front of the hotel, walking around back and forth, happily lifting up his arms in prayer with the on, his face beaming and proudly singing, Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila. His face was shining. He really felt at home. I know Hashem loved that one. Can we say these cases are signs that the redemption is at hand? As it says, and he will return and gather you in from all of the peoples to which Hashem, your God, has scattered you. Even if you're dispersed will be at the ends of heaven, he will gather you in. Here's a recent letter. I met you at the Kotel in 2004. I had spoken to you about an incident I had experienced at the Kotel in 1985 when I was 25 years old. At that time, I had no idea that my mother's 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 mother and father, great-great-grandparents, were from Pomeranian area of Poland and both were Jewish, surname Honenstein. I did not find this out until I was almost 40 years old. Soon after, I learned that my aunt had spent nearly 10 years conducting a very detailed genealogical search of my maternal family's ancestry. After my great-great-grandfather moved his family to the United States in the mid-1800s, their daughter, my great-grandmother, her daughter, my grandmother, and my mother had all married non-Jewish spouses and had assimilated into the Lutheran religion. And I was raised with a Christian identity and with absolutely no knowledge of my Jewish identity. However, when I was 20 and on a Christian tour of Israel that my seminary, Upon graduation, I provided for their graduate students as a graduation gift. I went to the hotel, and a very old Haredi man, dressed in black and with a long gray beard, approached me. He grabbed me by the arm and took me to the tefillin booth and started to put tefillin on my arm. I exclaimed, I am not Jewish. I am a Christian minister. Without skipping a beat, he quietly said to me in broken English with a heavy European accent, You don't know. God knows. As he continued to bind the tefillin to my arm and head. He then sent me off to the kotel with a sitter, and I sensed the overwhelming presence of our Creator. This led me on a 20-year search to restore my Jewish identity, which has been a long and arduous road of tshuva. However, I'm happy to report that two years ago, at age 44, I completed an Orthodox conversion, to be sure, in Yushalayim, and it was during that year-and-a-half-long process that I met you at the Kotel and told you this story. You explained to me that those of you who man the tefillin carts are given an insight that enables you to select and approach those who are Jewish, whether they know it or not, out of all the people who come to the Kotel. This encouraged me during all of the loving, confused mess that surrounded my studies. You'll be happy to know that this coming August, my wife, who is also an observant Jew, and I are making official aliyah, and we will both be studying in yeshivas in Yushalayim. We intend to pay you a visit as soon as we are able to. Perhaps a Shabbat dinner in the old city sounds in order. Arthur Yuval There is one dot com.